Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome back to our Old Testament Bible History series. This is part two of Lesson 21 on God Preserves Jacob. Follow along in your Bible in chapters 31, 2, and 3. Do you remember the example I used at the beginning of the previous video? While we can see the storms in Jacob's life, it's what is it is what is happening inside of Jacob that is most important. We have seen that Jacob has changed. He trusts himself less and trusts God more. Let's turn our attention to chapter 31 and the keyword of pursuit. As you probably know, a pursuit is a chase of one person by another. In our story, we are at the point where Jacob's flocks and herds are being blessed in amazing ways by God. It is not long before Laban and his sons become envious of Jacob's success. They begin to falsely accuse him of bad things. As well, Laban suddenly changes his mind about which sheep and goats should belong to Jacob. He changes his mind ten times over the next few years. In time, the Lord says to Jacob in chapter 31, verse 3, Return unto the land of thy fathers, and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. It is at that time that Jacob calls Rachel and Leah to him. He has a family meeting with them. He says, we are going to leave. Your father has not been honest with me. Your brothers are falsely accusing me. But we need to especially leave because God has commanded me to return to Canaan. Jacob's wives agree with him. They also think their father has not treated them very well. Within hours, the family is packed up into an enormous caravan. The tents are packed up. The servants have gathered the goats and sheep. The children are packed onto camels. Soon, the only sign left is some flattened grass and some dust. Laban, who was away at this time, hears about this three days later. 
he sets off in hot pursuit of Jacob. In the chase, God warns Laban to be careful. This is a clear message to Laban that Jacob has God's protection. After one week, Laban catches up with Jacob. What have you done? Why did you sneak away without telling me? I would have loved to have a proper goodbye, to have given my children and grandchildren a kiss. It would have been so nice to send you on your way with music and songs and rejoicing. Well, Laban is deceitful. There is no reason to think that he really wanted to be this nice toward them. He continues, I can hurt you, Jacob. Look at my mighty men with me. I'm only sparing you because God told me to spare you. After this, Laban accuses Jacob of stealing his gods. These were small figures or images that had some value to Laban as the family leader. Jacob is accused as a thief of being unthankful towards Laban. Jacob, knowing he was innocent of this crime, allowed Laban to search everywhere for these figures. He does not know that Rachel has secretly stolen them and tucked them in her saddle. Rachel convinced her father not to search in her saddle, and so Laban does not find them. Jacob now turns to Laban and responds with anger. I have worked and suffered for you. I have made sure you never had a loss. When an animal died, I paid for it. I slept outside in the cold and suffered through the heat. And here you are treating me so terribly again. He names God as the one who has kept him and provided for him. At this, Laban seems to understand that Jacob will always be more powerful than he will be. He realizes that God will always be on the side of Jacob. So Laban wants to form a friendship covenant. You can read about that and those events in verses 43 through 55 of chapter 31. Leaving Laban behind, Jacob goes ahead. These two families are separated forever. At the end of this pursuit, we can now look at chapter 32 through the keyword of prayer. Jacob continues on his way to Canaan. On the way, he meets the angels of God. What a blessing that he meets them and knows they are with him. This would have been a good reminder for him of his dream 20 years earlier, in which God promised Jacob that he would protect him and be with him. But Jacob is still nervous, scared even. Do you know why? Jacob knows that before arriving in Canaan, he needs to go through Edom. Edom is where Esau lives. He sends messengers to greet Esau to make sure he knows that Jacob is coming and is friendly 
But the messengers return and say, Esau is coming too, but with 400 men. Jacob is really afraid that Esau might choose this time to get his revenge. Jacob's proper response to this is prayer. Then he prays to God. Please read his prayer in verses 9 through 12 from chapter 32. He is genuine and honest before God, not a deceiver. His prayer is one of true faith. He prays, remember the promise thou made to me. I am not worthy or deserving of thy mercy. Jacob's heart has been humbled. And he approaches God knowing he deserves nothing. But he still trusts the promise that God would be with him. Jacob also becomes busy making a gift for Esau. He gathers hundreds of his livestock and arranges them in beautifully in different groups to impress Esau and take away any anger that Esau still has toward him. As night comes on, the whole caravan crosses the Jabbok River. Jacob is the last one. He wants to be left alone to pray to God for his protection in the coming day when Esau will arrive. While Jacob is praying, a man comes and begins to wrestle with him. This is a very long struggle lasting all night. As morning comes closer, this unknown man surprises Jacob with his strength. The man touched Jacob's thigh and put his hip out of place. Jacob understands that this is a very special man whom he was struggling with. Though injured, Jacob holds tightly to this man. He refuses to let him go, begging this very special man to bless him. Jacob now knows that it is God himself who wrestles with him. He begs him for a blessing. But the man's response is instead to ask Jacob his name. What is your name? Well, what a humbling question this is for Jacob. What was his answer? I am Jacob. Oh, I am Jacob, a name full of meaning. I am a deceiver, a liar, a schemer. I really am Jacob. The angel answers, your name will no longer be Jacob, but you will be Israel. For as a prince, you have power with God and men and have prevailed. Jacob asks for the name of the man, but is not given an answer. He is given a blessing instead. Jacob names this place Peniel, which means I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Years before, Jacob might have said, I wrestled with God and was the winner. Now he understands that he is being kept and preserved by God's 
free grace only. Are you beginning to see throughout the story what has been happening inside Jacob as a result of all these storms coming against him? That is as far as we will go with our keyword of prayer. Let's now turn to chapter 33 and think about the keyword of presence. The story will end the same way it started, with parting between Jacob and Esau. Jacob moves on from the Jabbok River with a very large caravan of women, children, and animals. Esau comes closer with his company of 400 men. These two groups come closer and finally stop facing each other. Jacob bows to Esau. Esau runs to Jacob and they hug each other. Just look at them. What a beautiful reunion after being apart so many years. They're both weeping. Jacob is so happy at being well received by his older brother. Jacob or Esau has forgiven Jacob for everything and no longer desires to kill him. It seems that the conversation between these two brothers is very free and kind. Look at my family here, Esau, and all the cattle. These are all God's gifts to me. When Esau looks over at the family, they greet him and they bow before him, showing respect. Esau accepts Jacob's gift of livestock to him. In turn, he generously offers to go with Jacob to his final destination. But Jacob insists that is not necessary. His caravan is a lot slower than Esau's. And after all, he says, I have enough if I have your friendship. Jacob and Esau part ways again, and Jacob eventually arrives in Shechem. There, he purchases a field, intending to settle in this land that God promised to give him in a seed. There he builds an altar and names the place with a phrase that means God is the God of Israel. We have now looked at six chapters of the story of God keeping or preserving Jacob by grace. The story started with parting and a promise to Jacob at Bethel. Next, we looked at God's providence in marrying Leah and Rachel. Third, we looked at Jacob's possessions. Fourth, we have the pursuit by Laban. Fifth, we looked at Jacob's prayer at Peniel. And finally, we see Jacob giving presents to Esau with a final parting between the two. I would like to finish this lesson by making two connections to what this chapter has to tell us about who God is and about what God does and about God's plan of salvation for his church. <clears throat> First, I would like to look a little closer at prayer in this story of Jacob. Prayer is a very important part of Jacob's night at Peniel, at the Jabbok River. I encourage you to read that again in chapter 32, verse 24. 
please notice especially how Jacob prayed. He did not give up. Prayer is sometimes called striving with God. This is when a person seeks to find the will and desire of God. Jacob spends the night in prayer and wrestling with God. We can also be persistent in prayer like Jacob. The Lord Jesus even taught his disciples to be persistent in prayer, to always pray and not be faint. You can read the Lord Jesus' lesson on this at the beginning of Luke 18. Do you remember what Jacob prayed on his journey? Please reread his prayer in chapter 32, verse 9 through 12. He says something like, I do not deserve the littlest mercy that thou hast shown to me in all these years. Jacob prays with a humble heart before God. His attitude is one of being ready to obey and listen, realizing that he is only a man praying to an almighty, supreme God. If you have read his prayer again from the Bible, maybe you have noticed that Jacob is using God's own words in his prayer to God. He, in a holy way, reminds God of God's own promise to him, which was, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. Because God will for sure do what he has promised, this is what we can pray for. By reminding God of his covenant that he has promised, we can be assured that our prayers are heard. Jacob prayed with a humble heart, depending upon God as a faithful covenant God who would for sure keep his promise to Jacob. The second main thing I would like to dig into a little deeper with you is to consider the whole pathway of Jacob's life so far. Jacob knew at this point that God was faithful. Jacob was also painfully aware that he often was not very faithful. Think of Jacob's life. It was full of ups and downs. He is going down when he cheats his brother, deceives his father, and flees for his life. He is up when he receives the special encouraging dream at Bethel. He is down when his marriage to Leah and Rachel is spoiled by Laban's deception, the jealousy between his wives and between himself and Laban brings him even deeper. But he is up again when he receives God's call to leave for the promised land. He is met by the angels of God, and he is at another peak when his name is changed to Israel at Peniel. When we will follow Jacob through the rest of his life, we will see that this cycle continues between belief and unbelief, between faith and doubting. 
What can we learn? Well, Christians often recognize their own life in the ups and downs of Jacob's life. There are the ups and downs of believing and doubting, of faith and unbelief. And so, like Jacob, a hope for the future does not rest on their own faithfulness, but on the faithfulness of God, the covenant-keeping God who will never fail. This now brings us to an end of part two of lesson 21, the story of God preserving Jacob. In our next lesson, we will look at Jacob's family trip to Bethel after settling near Shechem.